Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Great Sports Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And I'm going to be in Father Richard's parish coming up in about a week and a half, two weeks yeah. or so, Father. It's awesome. going to be exciting. Looking forward to that. Our guest tonight, Father Carlos Martins, is going to be a fantastic show. But of course, everything needs to begin with prayer. And we always turn that over to Father Heilman. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Father. And thank all of you out there who are supporters of the U.S. Grace Force podcast. Thanks for just taking time to watch this. We just broke at the time of recording this 60,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel, which is a great blessing. We're very thankful for everybody who subscribes. If you're not subscribed, please go on out and subscribe to the channel. Remember, when you subscribe to these channels, when you watch these podcast videos, you only help promote the algorithms, which help then get these recommended to more people. And so if we want to get the messages out of good Catholic material that's out there, such as the U.S. Grace Force podcast, then please, you can assist by subscribing, liking, sharing the videos, watching. We are also, this is exciting, at a 4.45 million total views of our channel. We're getting close to four and a half million views of all of our podcasts over the last three plus years. Very excited to think that these podcasts have been viewed almost four and a half million times. We hope and pray they've done, please, Lord, good things for people's lives and souls. That's always our goal. And we want to thank everybody out there who supports, shares, and promotes this. And also those of you who support us financially through the Patreon program. As I made a plea in last episode, we have lost a fair amount of patrons. And we think that a lot of this has to do with the disciplinary measures that YouTube threw at us. Again, as I said in the last episode, we have been on YouTube a total of five months out of 12. So we were disciplined for seven in the year 2022. And that does cut deeply into the support. So those of you who do support us through Patreon, and we did pick up a few since the last episode, we're still thankful. God bless you for that. You are in our prayers. It makes it much more possible for us to get these messages out. Very important to do that. Now, tonight you're going to see the father is wearing this great t-shirt, he must increase, I must decrease, uh, which is something, it's, it's been a theme that's been on Father's Heart for quite a while. I'm wearing the I Kneel for God Alone t-shirt. I'll put this up here. There's an image there for you to take a look at. You can go out to our U.S. Grace Force gear page, check the link in the description or here on the screen, and you can order yourself some fantastic U.S. Grace Force t-shirts, a variety of messages and that also is a great way to help support the message that we get out there. This particular show tonight, though, The Exorcist Files, is one of those incredibly important messages to get out. The spiritual battle that we're all in, and we are all in the thick of spiritual warfare. Uh, we have a great priest on who's going to be speaking about the details of this in a fantastic program. And Father Hallman, I know he's a good friend of yours. And Father Carlos, we met several years ago out at the, um, I believe it was the Rosary Coast to Coast event, first time I met you out there. Yes, and, it was. Uh, just fantastic to have you on the episode of the Grace Force tonight. So thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Yeah. So uh, Father Carlos and I go a number of years back and it, it started because uh, I, uh, a local parish was having this priest with like 165 first class relics. And I'm going, wait, what? I practically raced over to be a part of that. And uh, that's where we met the first time because that's uh, Father. What what your the the main part of what your ministry is is that you bring these first class relics of um, some of the most prominent saints uh, in our church uh, around to parishes, and not just that, but I mean the talk that he gives is unbelievable. I mean it's just it's riveting the the talk that he gives, and uh, and and so we kind of connected, and we've been solving all the problems of the world ever since. You know when we get on the phone with each other or whatever we do. But, uh, and then I've had you here a couple of times too for uh, your relics tour, but um, maybe father, you can kind of help, help us understand, you, you know, uh, your ministry and, and uh, you know, where, where, where you live and, and what that's all about. Sure. Yeah. So, so I run a ministry called treasures of the church and it's a Vatican ministry of relics of the saints. It's a, it's a Vatican evangelization ministry and, and 
So I bring very large collection of relics of the saints to churches, schools, and prisons throughout the world. And I use the relics to give people an experience of the living God. So I guarantee people who are present at an exposition that they are going to experience God in a new way, a way that they have never experienced before. And uh, so what I do in my talk that you reference is I, I try to get people to open their hearts to God, that, that God is here now tonight. He's going to touch you tonight in a way. And so anything that's in your heart that would close him off or, or would refuse him permission to enter, you need to get rid of. And so that talk is an effort uh, for me to help people into opening their hearts. And it is very much a healing ministry. People are set free. There are healings at every exposition. I've seen cancers healed, osteoporosis. We had one in our parish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and if you only had one, it would surprise me. But, but you may, well, yeah. some, sometimes, sometimes people, they, they receive a healing, and it takes two or three days for them to have the courage to say anything. Because, you know, for a lot of people, yeah, I believe totally God can heal and God does heal people and he loves people. But implicitly, they don't believe God will heal me. Right. And, and so it, it takes time for certain people for, for the, the acceptance of the fact, hey, my affliction is gone. Uh, and then the apprehension that they initially feel gives way to joy and they can finally live in it. And so forth. But that that's the kind of thing that happens every day. The other the other hat I wear, uh, aside from bringing uh, this Vatican exhibit, is I function as an exorcist. Um, so I start. Gosh, that that was right from the beginning of my priesthood. Uh, but even before my priesthood, when I was a deacon, uh, I was involved in it. And in fact, when I was a seminarian as well. So. It's been almost 20 years I've been involved in the ministry in one form or another. And so how, uh, gosh, how does it come about that one becomes an exorcist? Well, I mean, you're asked. It's, it's not really a ministry that one volunteers for. Like you're, 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 you're kind of, um, you know, the only thing in the church that's as bad as having, as having no belief in the devil is, is kind of having too much. Right, having an inordinate interest in the demonic, in the dark side. And, so, and, and when the church, when a bishop, when, say, a seminary rector uh, notices that in a man, um, you know, he, he, he will often tell him, hey, knock it off. And, and, if, and if it pursues in an inordinate way, like with maybe too much of a zeal, he certainly would never assign him uh, to the ministry. Um, the, the, the devil can be too much for some people. Uh, and certainly we don't in the church want to make the devil the center of our lives, even exorcist. I mean, no exorcist I know uh, has the devil as the center of his life. I mean, the center of his life is Jesus Christ. I mean, he battles the devil or, or, or I mean, properly speaking, he, he works with, with Christ in Christ's battle against the devil. And then at the end of the day, he goes home and, he does. He gets on with his life. He watches the ball game. He watches the sports game. You know, I mean, we 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 live lives just like any other priest, and indeed any other person would. Father, you are endeavoring into a new project, the Exorcist Files, the title of the program here. This episode, tell us about, if you could, the Exorcist File program and why this and why now. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, this. Coming Wednesday, January 25th, the Feast of St. Paul, is the launch of a podcast series uh, on iHeart where I discuss, I, I, I talk about my case files as an exorcist. And how this came about is the Holy See has for some time been, been noting two things. One is that there's an increase in possession cases. The church has responded in various ways to that. Uh, it has encouraged the training of exorcists. It even sponsored an exorcism school some years ago. Um, but 
about three years ago, it approached me, the Holy See approached me and said, look, we would like to have a thoroughgoing catechesis on exorcism, and we would like you to consider spearheading that. Um, and so I prayed about it, and um, you know, I just thought that the, the best way to do this is to put this out in a podcast form. Uh, why? Because today, people's interaction with the media makes it that podcasts are, are the favored media platform more than say a show, more certainly more than, than, than a textual document. And so once I had made that decision, I thought, okay, how do I present the content? Um, I had been working so the, the Holy See had had a relationship with two producers, and these two producers had a relationship with iHeartMedia. And so this, these three entities, the two producers, myself and iHeart, we had come up with a plan to present uh, a 3D binaural experience. So what that means is the podcasts were recorded where I kind of serve as Father Carlos Martins, presenting the details of these 14 cases that I discuss. Mm. Ryan Bethay, who is uh, one of the very gifted producers, serves as a narrator. And in the midst of that, in between he and I speaking, each case is reenacted. So if you think of like those old time radio programs where a story was told on the radio, but it was reenacted when you hear somebody walking up, the, when, when the story involves somebody walking up a set of stairs on a porch, you actually hear the footsteps coming up on the porch. Mm -hmm. And so that's the experience that was constructed for each of these podcasts. It was recorded with the latest microphone technology to give people that, that when you hear this on uh, a good set of headphones or earphones or earpods, that it's going to feel like you're in the very room itself when, for example, I'm interviewing a victim uh, for the purpose of diagnosing exorcism, when I'm speaking with a family, when I'm speaking with a psychiatrist and when the exorcism is actually being conducted within the room where it takes place. And the gifted people at High Heart uh, produced something, the quality of which astounded me. I, I didn't, you know, I'm so busy with my work, I'm kind of a little bit out of the loop in terms of technology, but I heard, uh, obviously I, 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 I went through the episodes that were done and it was just incredible. So why this particular format? I wanted in a particular way to reach out to young people. Mm. And there's an amazing st uh, statistic that has come out. The Pew Survey people back in 2012 conducted a survey and found that in the age group of 18 to 29 year olds, within a five year period, the number, of, the number of that segment that gave up all religion, all formal religion period, increased by one third in five years alone. Wow. Right? Yet at the same time, in a separate survey, 63% of that same segment, of that same population of 18 to 29 year olds stated they believe it is possible for somebody to be demonically possessed. Hmm. So, so in this, in this, in that age, in that demographic, so two facts are true: that they're increasing losing their faith and their hope in religion. Yet at the same time, something is occurring within their lives that is making them conclude. That the devil is real and not only real but that he's actually taking over people so that's an extraordinary fact right? and i wanted to produce something that is going to be interesting for that segment 
right? This, this is the generation that is very in tune with technology and they're very comfortable with podcasts. Uh, all you have to do is tell somebody there's a podcast on this something, on this subject. Within seven seconds, they're downloading it on their phones. Yeah. So I wanted to do something that would reach those people and, and have the church enter into the dialogue with those people in order to give them some teaching, some formation where the experiences they're getting are being interpreted for them in a way that is consistent with the life and person of Jesus Christ, who, who has vanquished. Father, yeah, this sounds, this sounds amazing. Um, yeah. But uh, before we go any farther, I, I, I can't wait for this. Um, and, and realize too, we're putting this up on the, uh, our podcast up on the same night that you're launching this whole thing. Uh, so, but uh, what's the website that people can go to uh, for you get connected with all this? Sure. It is exorcistfiles.tv. Exorcistfiles.tv. So dot on that website, not, I don't know if the listeners are here. What dot what? Dot TV. 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 Okay. Got it. T is in Tom, V is in Victory. Okay. Yep. And we'll put we put it up yeah. on the screen too. It'll be on the screen but, in the in the yep. information uh, yep. links down below. You bet. But what where I wanted to go, Father, is I, I'm listening to this and and uh, I remember being alarmed a while back. Remember, remember during uh, Super Bowl halftime shows, mm. during uh, Hollywood awards nights, uh, right. even during holiday parades, Hollywood was glamorizing Satanism. Remember right. that? Yeah, and you Absolutely. know the fire and and you know the mass or whatever they did, but they were glamorizing it, um, and so that happened. And at the same time, I think we had just become weak in our faith. You know, they're just uh, Catholicism. I know has been struggling for decades now, uh, mainly because we, we, I, I, you know, my take on it, and I'd like to hear yours too, but my take on it is that we presented. Um, our faith, our religion, in a in a very weakened, uh, uh, non-serious way, right? You know, so so that so that you can take it or leave it, or you don't have to do uh, exactly. you know. And, and the way we 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 worship too, you know, it, it beckoned people to get up and put their worst recreational attire on to go to mass and uh, right. to kind of lounge in the pew. I don't know. So I I. I was seeing this. Is that what you were seeing, Father, during that time as this kind of infiltration of, of uh, demonic Absolutely. during a weekend time? Absolutely. So, so you know, the, the Christianity within Western society uh, has, been, has been eclipsed by paganism. Yeah. So, so, so if we keep doing our thing in the same way, right, if we keep evangelizing or, or, or not evangelizing in the way that we do it, well, we're, we're going to ensure that, that, that our church is going to die, that we're going to be the last generation of people that go to church. Right. So we've got to reach out with our truth in new ways. We've got to find creative ways in order to reach the unchurched. And, yes. and because we know, you know, we, we know our message resonates in the human soul. Our message is the truth. And, and I'm a convert from atheism. So I, I know exactly, I know exactly what it's like to receive the good news. And I know that experience of, of encountering Christ as the solution to my problems. And I, I converted when I was 21 years of age. So, so that, that age group, that, that period of, of what I was talking about, that, that the few people identified from 18 to 29, those are the people for whom meaninglessness is striking acutely today. Yes. No, they didn't receive what they ought to have received from their parents, many of them. They didn't receive it from their teachers. They're not receiving it from their idols in sports. They're not receiving it from movie stars. I mean, they're receiving garbage. They're receiving a recipe for unhappiness. And so if, if, if we as church, if we don't come out and enter into the dialogue, that is in society today, then all of these people, all of these young people are never going to encounter Christ. 
Right. Father, I'm curious, you, you talk about the technology, the advancement of technology, and I agree 100%. You know, I, I still try to keep up with things. I just recently purchased a CD player called a, a Walkman, I think. I'm, I'm So I'm a getting Walkman, advanced. Yeah. yeah, moving forward, you know, I, I finally got rid of my eight track player. Yeah. Okay. No, to the audience, I'm just kidding. Okay. I am. I have. Uh, I've gotten past the Walkman. I still have a rotary phone, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I have a wireless rotary phone. Yeah. I don't know how that works. But anyway, um, you'd mentioned prior to the last question there um, that exorcisms possessions are up. That there's an increase in the problem. Um, is this is this like worldwide? Is exorcists communicate with one another? And I don't know how much you all do, but I had heard in the Philippines and in Mexico conferences taking place, speaking of the same thing that that, that they're seeing more diabolical infestations, harassments, obsessions, problems, and and if that's the case, that it is more global, is and a lot of it has to do with what you just described, what you and Father Hamlin just talked about. Are we also seeing more increase in messing around with witchcraft, covens, Ouija boards? Are these portals as well that are opening the door for people? What, what are we dealing with? Why are they increasing? And is it more of a global problem? Yeah, sure. So, so first of all, yes, it's increasing. Is it a, glo a global problem? Yes. And it's a global problem uh, for many different reasons, but I'll tell you a big one. The, the biggest exporter of culture is the United States. So the biggest producer of movies and television programs, the, the entity that produces and portrays the culture that is the envy of the world is the United States. Wow. And as we increasingly become pagan in what we export, that paganism is being exported. So this is what people are seeing. So within the exorcism world, right? It's a very small world. And we tend to be, we exorcists connected with one another. And I'm, in fact, I'm at a conference right now for exorcists. Um, it's, um, we, we don't publicly advertise it because when we get together, uh, we like to do so outside of the, outside of the eye of the media. And we'd like to, we like to do it uh, in, in a way that we can function unhindered and, and talk with one another and debrief things without worrying about being intruded upon by, by entity, by curiosity. Yeah. But we talked to one another and I just came from dinner where I had a conversation with a table full of priest exorcists and uh, the, the increase is, is happening everywhere. It's happening more in every diocese. Uh, it's happening in where even people who are not part of the church, they're not, they're, they're not baptized, they're, they're not Catholic, they're not Christian, and they may not even subscribe to a formal religion, or they might, but they're coming forward saying, hey, I went and I got a Reiki treatment at the spa, mm. and I've never been the same since. I have a terrible anxiety. Uh, I have terrible nightmares. I dream of a serpent spirit uh, taking me over. Uh, and this, this is something that we're seeing all the time. Now, drive down the street, it, it's hard not to find a spa uh, within, you know, two or three miles in, in any direction, in any urban center. Uh, many of them today, many of them, if not most of them, offer Reiki treatments. Mm. And so Reiki is, is, is the practice of a, a Reiki master laying hands on you and invoking the raising your energy level through the invocation of spirits that do so. So that's like taking your hand, putting it into a black hole, grabbing the first thing that's there and saying, Hey, come on out. Wow. I mean, in the spiritual realm, look, that, that is, that is the other, that, that is the equivalent of a Ouija board. Where, where you're calling into the spirit realm and just saying, hey, if somebody's out there, come on over. I want a relationship with you. So in general, people are messing around with these portals, these doorways a lot. They're messing with portals. And they don't even have a clue mm. that what they're doing yeah. is wrong. Yeah. And, and, that, and they're, they're being ensnared that, that they're forming a relationship wow. with this dark spiritual realm. Right, you're you're giving that realm permission to be attached to you. Right, go go to uh, a toy store today. Go to 
You don't have to physically walk into a store, go to an online toy store. Ouija boards are marketed to little kids. They're marketed to teens. Uh, there, there are books of spells, uh, genuine spells being marketed to our school kids. Right. So their belief system is being affected by this. Mm -hmm. And so you have kids invoking demons to get, whether they're doing it consciously or not, but, but it, the, the demons are the power behind any curse, any and every curse. They're being invoked and thereby they're forming a relationship with the demonic realm. And, and Father, I've heard it said, if I can, I'm sorry, Father Hyman, just another quick follow-up. Um, I've heard it said that the demons, they don't care whether you're serious about it or not. If you're messing with them, they'll take advantage of the moment. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're not battling it by going to God in some way, you're, you're just, you're wide open because the, the demon's attitude is you call on me. Hey, whether you mean it or not, I'm coming over. I mean, is that, is that pretty accurate? Let me, let me give you an analogy, Doug. Let me give you an analogy. If you, you go into a car dealer and you ask for a salesman and that salesman, uh, you, you tell him, you point to a car that you want and you say, write it up. You might not be serious about it. But you sign your name on that document. You sign your name and he hands you the keys and you drive away with it. Guess what? You just bought a car for which you are responsible for paying for it. You may not have been serious at all, but you signed that contract. You ratified it. And now that dealership has a relationship with you that you may not have wanted. But guess what? You're now liable for that money. In the spiritual realm, it's way easier than that. I mean, you may have intended nothing but good nothing but good in a particular situation and guess what you're now contaminated with evil you went and subscribed to something that is a a, a manifestation of the occult hmm. i i i think and i don't know if you'd agree with this or not father carlos but um there's been an explosion of evil in our time i Somebody who's in the know told me, like, for instance, in Washington, D.C., something like uh, Wiccan is just replete. It's just everywhere. Um, but I remember in the 80s, I was going to seminary. And one of the things they have you do is go to clinical pastoral education, CPE. But you, you, you go to some kind of medical or psychiatric institution. And I actually chose a, a psychiatric institution. And I was astonished to be invited to what I thought was a social. And uh, most of the staff who was working there uh, was practicing witchcraft. And that's that they gathered together for this uh, to, to have whatever rituals they were doing. And there I was kind of going, what am I looking at? You know, I don't know what I, uh, um, and uh, I got out of there right away. But, uh, it, you know, and I say that just because I, I want people to understand that it's replete. It, it, it is, I, you know, you kind of go, well, you know, it's rare, you know, or whatever. No, it, it's everywhere. And like we said, especially with young people who were, you know, um, uh, you know, the, how Hollywood glamorized it for them and, and, and brought into it. I had a, I had a, a friend that uh, when he was a teenager that uh, they, uh, actually went into a church and stole the Eucharist so they could have a sa Satan, a satanic ritual. He tells the whole story. And then uh, one of his friends ended up like killing his aunt or something like that after they did this ritual. But I mean, uh, again, it, it's, it's seemingly everywhere and you know, it, it's, 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 it's a problem. And, um, and that's why I think, don't you father is why the Vatican reached out to you that, that, you know, we want people to understand, first of all, that the problem exists, but secondly, you know, what, what can we do about this in our times? And um, I, I don't know, Father, do, do you think uh, uh, while it's been creeping in or uh, it's kind of exploding during our times, don't you think? It absolutely is exploding. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do we combat it? Yeah, well, how do we combat it? In our, in our, there's a two-part answer. The first part is in our own lives, in our families' lives, you know, for those for whom we are responsible, we've got to lead them into a prayer life, right? So, so that means 
we've got to have a daily encounter with the Lord in prayer, a daily encounter. So that means more than just, you know, a Hail Mary in the morning and a Hail Mary if you remember at night. But it means a dedicated time to prayer. You know, it, it means, and so what I encourage everybody to do is, is 15 minutes alone with the Lord. So that means 15 minutes with no cell phone, 15 minutes alone in a room where you are, you are talking to God, you're meditating, you're doing what we call mental prayer. You, you, you are, or you're doing some scriptural reading, not for content, but for a dialogue with the Lord. Right? For what, what, is, what is the Lord in this passage of scripture there? What is he saying to you? Because the scriptures, the scripture is alive. It means, it means taking the sacraments seriously. It means going to Sunday Mass without fail. Without fail. It means, it means going to confession. And people ask me all the time, well, Father, how often should I go to confession? Well, heavens, if you have a single mortal sin on your soul, you better go to confession immediately. Because if you die in that state of sin, you will never see the inside of heaven. Right? So there, there's your answer. Right? And the very fact that we're being asked this question so often, how often do I need to go to confession? You know, is, is once a year enough? Should I go even go as much as twice a year? Well, heavens, if you have any mortal sin on your soul, it, then it's immediate. I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote, he didn't know how it was possible for anybody to eat or sleep. If they had a mortal sin on their soul, because you're what's being gambled with is eternity. And, 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 so, and not only and, that, go ahead, Father. And so, and, and the third part is we have to educate ourselves to know where the occult is. So, first of all, like when's the last time uh, that that people ever heard a sermon preached on the occult and the forms of the occult? Right, so that's that's an area where we, we just have to educate our people. But our people, too, you can't rely on the priest in that 15-minute homily to give you all the education of your faith that you need for the course of that week. That just is impossible. Right? It, it's impossible. So uh, the, the second part of, of all of this is with regard to society at large, that we need to be players in the conversation. So we, we have to be in the dialogue of the world today. And we, we have to be front and center, putting out our message in a way that the hearer can, can understand what it is that we're saying and, and is able to respond to it. Because in a pagan culture, we have to speak to that culture differently than if we speak to a, a, a culture that, that is Christian at heart. But we're not, we're not in that in that we're not in that place anymore. Yeah. Young people today, when you start talking about Jesus, they have no idea who or what you are talking about. Father, you know, I, I'm wearing the t-shirt, he must increase, I must decrease. And John the Baptist is my dude, you know, we share a birthday together. Uh, it comes from him, but I was thinking about that when, oh, when I was- Father Holland, I'm sorry. Did, did you, <clears throat> by the way, did you remember, did you even pay attention that- Roe v. Wade was overturned on your birthday? Was it really? It was. Yeah, wow. just in case. Just I don't know if case. we brought that up before in yeah. past podcasts. <laughs> the past pot podcast ever since then, I think it was. <laughs> you know, Father, Father Rick, Father Helmet, you you are a lucky dog. That's what happened on your birthday. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> but where I was going with that too is that um, you know, we, we yes, we're risking heaven, but you know, exorcists teach that there's there's openings that we give to to, to demons, right? And wow. just being tormented or oppressed or anything is. And I I just noticed over the years before I even met an exorcist that it just came naturally for me when people were feeling like their life was in chaos, they you know, they, they they were tormented or whatever, and not necessarily saying they feel like they're possessed by the devil. My first question was always. How's your prayer life? You know, can you tell me about your spiritual right. life? And a lot of times you, you find out that, for instance, they didn't go to, they haven't gone to confession for two years, you know, or, right. you know, they don't have much of a prayer life. And I, so I'd help them with that. And isn't it true, Father, that, um, you know, if we want that grace that comes upon us, right? It's almost like a 
force field. Like, oh, wait a minute, grace force. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's it isn't it is it's it's like it keeps the devil at bay if we're strong. In and and that's where too I I'm gonna do a little commercial message here, but uh, real quick. But I put this together. But but I, what I really want to show is the title: Peace Through Strength, right? And that comes from that um, quote from Ronald Reagan: "We maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression, right? It only invites right. attack." Yeah. So so I'd always, and before I even knew that quote, I'd always have this sense that. We need to get strong, okay? And that means having that solid uh, rock foundation of a of, 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 of a beautiful prayer life. And and I, I agree with you, Father, too. Mental prayer is so important because there's a there's an intimacy that occurs in that instead of just punching a clock of, of of prayers. You know, you can get into that where you know you're kind of a you're an employee and you're feeling the job description. No, no, he he wants that core, core locator. You know, heart speaks to heart, right. um, and all of that, right, Father? Is that that becomes a force that the devil finds it a hard time to get into? Is that correct? Absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. You know, when when we speak to the Lord at the level of heart to heart, yeah. what the Lord does is He gives us what we need. He begins to turn that dialogue into answers yeah. as to the question of our identity. Yeah. He starts reforming and reshaping us according to his image and likeness. And so there's, there, there's nothing more empowering than that because now your maker has spoken into you your own identity. And now with that power, that knowledge, that awareness, you have a strength. You know, the devil is a predator. And he sets his sights on, on, just like a lion who sets his sights on those who are, who are sick and weak. The devil is the same. He, he puts his sights on those who are easiest to catch. Yeah. Those who are stronger, right? They're more formidable enemies because they're protected by their strength. Right. So he's got to use a different tactic there. But you will eliminate a, a, an enormous amount of demonic attention for, or demonic strategy over you by developing that, that prayer life, right? And educating oneself uh, on, on, on the ways of evil. Well, right. what is evil? Um, and so that is why in terms of this podcast, I wanted to incarnate certain encounters with evil that I had in, in 14 different exorcism cases in order to give people an awareness of that. Right. And it's a format that is going to teach uh, all of the details uh, in terms of the names of the victim and the places they've been changed in order to protect people's identities. So, mm -hmm. and, and to be clear, people are not hearing actual exorcisms. These are reenactments. So my notes from the case files, I put them into scripts and those scripts are acted out by actors so that the case is reenacted. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the entry point of the devil in each person's, in, in each of the relevant cases, uh, they're discussed and addressed. And, and I tackle the issue as to why. Why in this person doing this, right? When, when this person had an extramarital affair, she picked up a demon. Why is that? And why this particular demon? You know, we have, we have people who... Uh, you know, one of the, there's an explosion today of, of the use of pornography and, and self-abuse, the, 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 the masturbation. And you have people today picking up demons, becoming oppressed through that, through those outlets. Now, the first thing that I encounter with somebody is, who, who, who has fallen into that, is an incredulity. Well, Father, I, you know, I must have done this in maybe a thousand times or fifteen hundred times, and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, last Friday evening, I, I slipped into this, and now I'm, I'm, I'm being attacked in the middle of the night. I hear scratching sounds from inside the walls of my home. Uh, I, I'm hearing my name being called uh, by, by people in the adjacent room, and there's nobody there. I live alone, so. 
the, 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 the porthole to evil is such that if there's something on the other side, when you open that porthole, now you've given it permission to enter your life. Now, Father, when you, when you talk about the conferences or gatherings of exorcists, the fact that you don't, I mean, obviously you're not going to want to draw a lot of attention. Like you said, you get attention on it. Maybe there's, there's retaliation, reaction to this sort of thing. Have, first of all, how long have you been an exorcist? Can we ask that? Yeah, so I've been an exorcist, um, gosh, for over 15 years. 15 years, okay. And then, so for yourself and with the other exorcists that you meet, what's that type of gathering like? What yeah. can you say about exorcists sure. getting together? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, you know, people who are in the military, they talk about combat scenarios that they've been in, you know, and the average layperson who has not been in the military, been in combat, doesn't quite gather or, or get a grip of what that would be like. When exorcists are sitting around, you know, and you're having a you know, glass of wine, you're having a beer at the end of the day, you're talking about different things. And what's that like for exorcists to sit around and talk about what's going on? Yeah, certainly. So, uh, so we invite a speaker. So uh, currently right now, uh, there is a speaker that uh, there's a bishop that's been flown in. And uh, when he was a priest, uh, he served as as an exorcist. And so he's speaking about his experience as an exorcist, but also now uh, as as a bishop, what is exorcism like now as when you're functioning as a bishop? Uh, so the speaker facilitates a kind of basic dialogue. Uh, he's giving, he's giving, he's educated. He's speaking on a subject and sharing wisdom. He's sharing the knowledge he's picked up from his perspective. And we always bring in a speaker for, so for example, for our next gathering, I'm the keynote speaker. Um, and then what we have in our conversations and our interactions with, an, with one another is we're sharing experiences and we're debriefing and much like soldiers would do when they get back together at the barracks and, hey, what did you see out there? Mm. And, and, and how did you tackle it? You know, what's, what, what, what is God doing right now? What is the devil doing right now? Right? Are things different right now than they were two or three years ago, four or five, six years ago, right? Where are you at? What are you seeing? What are the trends? Mm -hmm. And so we're, and you know, in this gathering here, what, what I've heard in the past two days is uh, everybody is commenting on the increase. There's a lot of new, uh, new faces here, new, new priests, more priests have been appointed exorcists. Uh, so they're coming for the first time. And everybody is noting an increase in the number of people who are requesting the church's ministry mm. at deliverance and exorcism. Mm. So, and I can imagine it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing data, you're sharing information, you're sharing what, what, you know, the case here, I did this, we did this, this is what happened, this is how it unfolded, this seems to work, this is not. Is it a constant, like a cat and mouse with the demons? I mean, there's certain things that are going to work, obviously, because the church has always given us prayer, sacraments, the intercession of the Blessed Mother, and so forth, but are you finding that the demons are behaving differently now? Are they behaving differently at all? Are they becoming more agitated? Are they, are they, um, do, you, do you get a sense that there's any trends to the way the enemy is responding to what's going on in the world right now? So I would not say, it's not my experience that the demons are doing anything really different than what they have been doing. I mean, they're ensnaring souls. Their methods might be a little bit different. Okay. Um, but the... The, the overall approach of the devil is the same. He just wants to consume, right? He wants to consume souls. So that part of it is very predictable. Uh, what is new are kind of some of the pitfalls by which people are becoming ensnared, right? So, so you know, one of the things that we could not have predicted uh, 10, 15 years ago is the rise of something like Reiki which among middle-income, middle-class housewives, Reiki is all the rage, right? It is a portal into the demonic. There's no science behind it. So really, even the fact that, you know, if somebody says, hey, I can raise your energy level, 
by by just willing it. That there should be sirens and red lights going off in your head saying, "Man, this is danger! Like, mm. get out of here." Uh, there's no scientific basis to it, and if there's no science, if there's nothing rooted in nature, in the laws of nature. Now you're slipping into supernature. You're, you're, you're entering into the realm of the spiritual. This is not a God. What about yoga? Yoga is the same thing. You know, okay. there, there are people, they, they use yoga for the sake of, of exercising. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a physical exercise, a physical activity that has um, the, the effect of exercise. People use it to, to, be, to, to keep in shape. The problem with yoga is that many of those poses are rooted in, in acts of worship of pagan deities. Mm. And so in, in, in taking on those positions, you are entering into an act, inadvertently, uh, perhaps entering into an act, but nevertheless doing so, of, of, of a demonic entity, of a demonic spirit. And so my, my counsel is for people to abandon yoga altogether, mm. abandon yoga. Um, if, if you want to do stretches, if you want to do, um, um, if you want to do exercise, exercise, but find something other than yoga, because it is rooted in a spiritual action uh, of a pagan tradition. Right. Father, we talked about how, you know, to keep the devil at bay, be strong in your own spiritual life. And, uh, uh, but uh, also, uh, how do you feel about sacramentals? I, I know uh, I, I actually uh, um, give my, all my servers a combat rosary and, uh, and then we challenge each other. I, I actually put a little challenge coin in there. By the way, uh, I had my servers with the last time you were here touch like 300 challenge coins to your 165 relics. So I've got, I've got challenge coins that are a third class relic then of all uh, the 165 saints, which is very cool. And I give them one of those and they put it in the little pouch here. But anyways, so, but I'm trying to help them to understand how, how much grace they get. They get, you get strength just by always carrying the rosary. You want to pray it, obviously, but even carrying it uh, is something that brings grace. But other sacramentals too, obviously holy water, blessed salt, um, the Benedict medal, the miraculous medal. Uh, how do you feel about those as far as, um, you know, giving us more grace, but, uh, but also keeping us protected from evil? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's why they exist. You know, I, I, I don't leave the house without my St. Benedict medal around my neck, my miraculous medal, nice. my scapular, my rosary in my pocket. Nice. Uh, I, just, I just don't. And all of these objects are blessed and they protect us. Yes. They, they, they dispose us to grace because yes. God's blessing through the church is on them. And, you know, the, the thing about God is this. He, he gave his life to give birth to the church. He gave, he gave his life. Uh, to bring forward his his bride, the church, and he listens to his bride. When the church conveys a blessing on something and makes it holy, the Lord responds and he ratifies that action. And so this is something that we need to pay attention to. And it, see, in the past, in the in the age of our grandparents, you know, this was all taken for granted. You know, in your home, you had a crucifix in every bedroom. And that crucifix, before it went on the wall, it was taken to the priest and he blessed it. Yeah. You had holy water in a, in a bottle by your nightstand. And every night you blessed your bed with holy water before you went to bed. And people, we just need to be re-educated in these great traditions of, of the Catholic faith. Because they're, they're treasures. All of these tra traditions are treasures. And they aid us. You know, St. Teresa of Avila said famously, you know, wherever holy water is sprinkled, the devil cannot be there. And so that the church has echoed her words through the centuries because she has formulated in one sentence what the church has always believed. Mm -hmm. right? The holy water is, is kryptonite to the devil. It weakens. As an exorcist, I can tell you this. When uh, a demon is becoming belligerent in an exorcism session, uh, when, when he starts spewing 
expletives, when he starts mocking, when he starts laughing, the gestures and the actions of, of the exorcist. So I have team members who their job, they're holding bottles of holy water. They're, the next thing they're doing is putting holy water uh, in the face of the demon and it stops him dead in his tracks. Whatever he was saying, he's not saying anymore. Right? It, it wounds him. So Father, when it comes to the exorcist files, what are you hoping people will get from this? I mean, obviously, there's a, there's there's some there's some great reenactment um, that you're describing here that's going to be very intriguing and draw people in. But in the end, what is the hope that people will get? How they'll benefit from this? Yeah. So I'm hoping people get education that they get good old fashioned Christian formation that through the drama of the interaction between the church and evil, uh, which which is a mission the church has been given by Christ that they're able to gain an appreciation of Christ's victory over evil, that, that Christ now who has conquered evil is, is dividing the spoils uh, among, among the, the people of God. He's dividing the riches uh, of his victory, but at the same time that the devil is a force to be reckoned with and, and he is to be taken seriously. Now, people ask me all the time, they ask exorcists, hey, aren't you afraid of the devil? And my answer is no. I respect the devil. I highly respect him, but I don't fear him. Mm. If you fear the devil, you've already ceded too much power to him. So what is the difference between respecting and fearing? Well, the, the, the analogy that I give is, is this one. Inside your kitchen, right? so Father Hallman, uh, Doug, Inside your kitchens, you have at least one knife that is sharp enough to cut you if, if you're not careful with it, right? Mm -hmm. You got yeah. it. But no matter how badly you can get hurt with that knife, if you're not careful when you're using it, when you go to bed at night, you don't spend a single moment where, worrying about that knife and worrying about cutting yourself, do you? Nope. Not a single moment. And if you did, you would agree that there'd be something wrong with your mental health, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you respect the knife, but you don't fear it. Right. And the same is with regard to the devil. Next to God, the devil is a very, very minor reality. But he is dangerous. Mm. He is dangerous. And for that reason, I respect him, but I do not fear him. Mm. I always found too, Father, and, I, and I've kind of dedicated uh, my ministry to rallying the troops, right? Getting us all together, uh, united, right? That's there's that uh, scripture passage from one Peter five that talks about be sober and alert uh, for your uh, the devil's prowling like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Well, we know that lions look for someone uh, the weakest in the herd and the one that happens to be separated from the herd. Because when the herd's there, they can start trampling on the lion and get them away. But but when you're alone, okay, you're p easy pickings for the devil. And that's why I've always always felt like how important it is for us to be united, a, a, a united force. Uh, that's why parishes, I think, are so important. You're like a family of God. You got each other's back. You know, you're 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 uh, you're growing together. You're. Uh, but isn't that true, Father? That how important it is that we don't go it alone in this world, that we, that we Absolutely. make sure we unite each with each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. The, the church provides that strength of the group that it right. provides for its children, for those who are walking with it. It provides everything needed to repel the, the attacks of darkness. You know, for part of the, the, the research that I did for this project, is uh, I went on the internet and just in a typical search engine, uh, I typed in as, as, as the search request, how to break a curse, right? So, so do that. Uh, sometime type into a search engine, how to break a curse and look at the different hits you get. I got, so I looked at the first 10 pages, all of the hits except one were, were Wiccans, they were witches telling other witches 
how to break curses that mm. other witches put on them. Yeah. So, so in other words, this far from being a, a liberator, this abandonment of our Christian faith yeah. has merely produced cannibalism, yep. where, where people are eating one another yes. with this occultism that they're turning to. If that is not the definition of paganism, yeah. I don't know what is. Father, I, you know, I, I'm curious, what advice would you give to uh, men, husbands, fathers, the spiritual heads of homes? I mean, it's, I think it's very easy in, in, you know, the 33 years or so that I've traveled and spoken, a lot of men's conferences, you know, there's that attitude that, you know, well, my wife is kind of the spiritual head. She, she gets it. I don't, you know, she's the one that prays. I don't. And a lot of men have kind of sidelined themselves by thinking that my wife is more intuitive to this stuff. And, you know, I just, I put food on the table and a roof over the, over the heads and so forth. And so I've had a lot of conversations with men about the fact that you're the spiritual head of the home. You know, right. and there, there's a there's a certain order of authority here, and the demons fear you most. Can you speak to the importance of a layman, sure. and, and also to the ladies out there to not usurp the authority of your husbands? Because God bless all the Christian women out there, but there are times I've seen Christian women in in some way, shape, or form almost neuter their men by overpowering them rather than than, than encouraging them and lifting their husbands up or their sons even, to be good men who will one day often, most of them, become husbands and fathers. So to the ladies out there, to understand the authority, to the men to understand the authority, and put this in perspective so that we husbands and fathers around the house can get our act together and really fight this battle. Right. Yeah. So it is the will of God that the man, the husband and the father, he wear the spiritual pants in the household. Now, women are more naturally inclined to be spiritual than men are. They're more naturally inclined. There's more of a gravitation by women. But in terms of, of, of spiritual leadership, you know, when a man, when a husband and father takes that role seriously, his children are convinced by his witness. Mm. They're convinced by his authority. And that has a lasting impression. If you want your kids to be spiritual and to be practicing the faith as a father, you model that. If you want them to not do so, then let your wife take it. Most children do not replicate the faith when only mom reflects it. But when dad reflects it, it has a completely different authority, a different effect, and it speaks to them in a different way. Men are natural teachers by their authority. Mm. They're not, they, they, there's a natural gravitation from a child to get his or her sense of identity from dad. They get their nurturing from mom, but they get their identity from dad. Mm. And so dad, if, if you aren't stepping up into that role, then you are, giving, you are doing your children a terrible disservice. And, and you're abandoning, you're abdicating your, your own duty to God the Father and Jesus Christ who has set his children free. Yeah, the statistics uh, back that up too. I was actually trying to search for an old article I did, but just astounded how much when the Father leads, how, uh, how high the percentage is that the, the faith will be passed on to the next generation but if, you know, if, if he's not, it's, it's real low. And, but anyways, well, listen, Father, can we put the website up one last time? Uh, I can't wait for this. Um, it's, uh, what is it again? Exorcist? Exorcistfiles.tv. So uh, your, your listeners here, the viewers, they can go to that website and subscribe to the podcast, which is free. Uh, whatever platform you use, if you have an iPhone, you can use the links there to subscribe to Apple Podcasts. If you have an Android, you can subscribe on Spotify or what have you. Um, if, if, now what I encourage everyone to do is on the bottom of that page, there is an email sign-up. And if you fill in your email there, I will email you. I will let you know when the podcast, when each podcast launches. And you'll also get instructions on that email on how to subscribe. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Father, that that's uh, our time is up. Um, 
would you mind if you could give us a blessing? Certainly, yeah. So my almighty God descend upon you, Father, and you, Doug, and all your listeners and all of your families. And may the Lord keep you close and remove from you, remove from your lives anything and everything that is not of him. May the angels and saints protect you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. This is great, Father. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Father. Can't wait for this. This is going to be great. Praise God. Thank you very much.